welcome. Glad that you're here on the way into all of our services. You're handed the notes, and if you want to grab those in just a second, we'll look at that. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses right now here at Lone Tree, Highland Ranch, Castle Rock, our Lakewood folks, those that live stream us, and those that'll be listening maybe uh, post-production the next couple of weeks via a DVD, a CD. Maybe they come to the website and download the message. However, you're a part of the greater JFC family. We want to welcome you, and we're glad that you are here. We're in a series uh, called Is It Possible? And it's a series about hope. And let me just say this real quickly. After this week, looking at what happened in Paris, how many of you think this world could use some hope right now? I mean, look, I I have said uh, literally for years now that uh, in the middle of uh, a world that in many ways is going crazy, look, there are a lot of conflicts around us. Watch me real quickly for which there are going to be no easy, quick answers. Governments of the world, this is what the Bible says, governments of the world will not have answers to a lot of the things that are going to transpire in the end. And this is what the Bible does promise us, though. It does give us the outcome of everything that's going to happen. And if you're in Christ, here's the good news, you have hope and we win. We win. That's the way that it all comes out. Now, it does not mean that they're not at difficult times. It does not mean that believers don't go through difficult times. It's not the first time in the world that there have been difficult times that people are living through and dealing with. But as believers, I want to say this again, that this series becomes ultra important because at a time when the enemy has one goal, and that is to steal your joy, your hope, your life, here's God's ultimate answer to that. Shouldn't believers be filled with the hope that lies inside of them so that we can give answer to a world that's looking for answers right now? And if believers don't even have an alternative to that, of like, we're, uh, we don't have a clue, well, that's not the place that we're supposed to live our lives at. We're supposed to be full of hope. We're supposed to have a surety and a strength, especially in times when it's dark. And so, folks, a lot of this message right here, I want to reiterate to you, uh, as much as my, my hope, the win in the series will not be you having a good definition of hope. The win in the series will not be you walking away from the whole thing going, oh, wow, you know, now now I, I, I get the whole philosophy. The win is that you leave here with hope in your heart. If we can get hope in you, all things are possible. Do you believe that? All things are possible. All right, that's where we'll begin with this right here. Uh, Actually, that's the the name of this one right here. Uh, If you look at Luke chapter 18, verse uh, 27, our first uh, scripture that we're going to look at, uh, it just simply says this, what's impossible for people is possible with God. What's impossible with people is possible for God. The bottom line to always remember, even though we deal with circumstances, situations, things in our world that we're not always sure about, things that bring fear to us, that's what terrorism tries to do. The bottom line that we always have to have hope in, what's impossible with man is always possible with God. And that's got to be our confession all the time. Even when we look at it, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. This message doesn't change circumstances, but it can change you in the circumstances so you can overcome circumstances. That's where this becomes important right here. So we're going to talk uh, this weekend about hope for the future. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I use this uh, to begin the series with. I'm going to refer to it often in this series, but this is just really from the Old Testament. It's the clearest, most concise scripture we have when it comes to what God thinks about our futures. Now, the Bible's full from, from the very front to the very back. The Bible is full of promises that God gives to us about our future, that God gives to us about our lives here and now. But this one is just so concise when it talks about how God feels about our future. So even though it's in the first person, he's talking to Jeremiah, clearly, if you read through this, it is prophetic in that it's speaking to his people. This is what it says. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not, look at this word, disaster. God's ultimate aim, folks, it will not end in disaster. 
It may look at times like it's disastrous, but it will not end in disaster. That's what we've got to always hold on to. So I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster. Plans to give you, look at the word, a future filled with what? Filled with hope. That's God's desire right there. That's not your pastor wishing good things for you. It's not something that we make up. It's not something that we fool ourselves with. This is God's desire for us. Now, let me, uh, let me throw this out here. Under the thought point in your notes, have you ever wondered what the future will be like? Anybody here ever wonder that question? A few of us, huh? Yeah, like every day? Do you wonder? Especially when stuff goes wrong, we tend to look and we tend to wonder. You know, what is the, if you're raising children, I think it's probably a question that you ask. What's this future going to look like? All right, well, let me throw a couple things to you. First of all, I don't know if you're aware but if you are a Back to the Future movie fan, anybody in here ever watch those? Okay, a couple, couple of honest people. The rest of you are like, I, I, I'm too holy to have a movie in my house. Come on. You, you know you've watched. All right. So the second one uh, projected him into the year 2015, and then the movie did a lot of things about what it was going to look like in 2015. You remember, one of the cool things was going to be hoverboards, still waiting. I, I want to get that before I'm too old to ride on it, Right. But one of them was this, self-adjusting clothes. Do you remember that one right there? You put it on, it would self-adjust. Now, how do we know that did not come true? I looked in my closet today, and I have three level of clothes in there right now. Husky, huskier, and extra husky. Right now, after Christmas, I'm in the extra husky clothes. I had to go all the way down to the end. I'm rotating the skinny ones to the back and the fat ones to the front right now. But starting in a few days... Miss Chris and I are hitting it hard, and uh, I'm going to go back to the just regular husky uh, clothes. <laughs> and I don't need anybody to come up to me afterwards and go, I'll be your workout partner, I'll get you skinny. This is my life, it's too late for me, I love you, but just... <laughs> it speaks more of a life well lived than it does of anything else. All right, now, but if you ever wonder what the future will be like, all right, Back to the Future makes some predictions. They were funny, and obviously they're just a movie, but let's, let's be realistic here for a minute. I would say this to you and see if I can't uh, pique your interest here just for a moment. You can predict with great accuracy certain things about your future. Yes. Now, now, this is not, uh, you know, tarot card reading. It's not palm reading. It's not going to be tea leaves. Uh, it's not going to be, I, I'm not going to tell you, here, here's the car you'll be driving in three years. Or, it, it's not going to be a thing like that. But there are things that the Word of God is very specific about that if you do this, then God says, I will do this. And here's what they are. They're actually universal laws. And what I mean by that is it's not, you don't just have to be a believer in order for it to apply to your life. They're just certain things that God put into effect in the universe that work no matter who you are, where you are, and what you do. And I've used this one before. A natural law in the universe is gravity, or at least on this planet is gravity. And it does work in the universe, but on this planet is gravity. So you could go, well, I, don't, I just don't believe in gravity, but nonetheless, you're bound by it. You agree with that statement? So like, well, no, I don't. We can test the theory out. It, it works. There, there are many, many natural laws that govern how things work. And whether you're a believer or not, God just simply established that if you do this, here's an outcome. If you don't do this, here's an outcome. So when it comes then to looking at the future, you look at today. You start with where you are now. So in the notes, here's what I did. I put, you can predict with great accuracy some things about your future. Here is a promise that we have from the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. By the way, the word Genesis is creation. 
So it's one of the original universal laws that God has established. It's a paradigm for the time that we live in now, for the world as it is now. And this is what the promise says. As long as the earth endures, as long as it's here, as long as it goes forward, as long as it continues to spin, as long as the sun rises and the sun sets, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Anything else you hear contrary to that is a lie. It's just simply a promise of God. It is not a, it's not a questionable issue. It's not a theory. It's the promise of God. So if that's a promise, then here's a principle. What God is talking about in this particular case here is the natural laws that govern the earth. One of those things are sowing and reaping. So here's the principle. Galatians 6, 7 says easily, don't be misled. Don't be fooled. Don't forget. Don't, don't push this out of your mind. Don't, don't claim that you're unaware. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God or the way his laws work. To mock here is to not make fun of it. It simply means you can't live another way and not have it not be true of what God said. That's what it means. So it's not to stand on the side and to mock it, to laugh at it, to joke about it. It's just simply this. God put a law into effect. If you cooperate with it, it works. If you don't, it won't work for you. That's to mock it, to think that you can go against it and not have it apply. Make sense? Okay, so don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So the promise is, as long as the earth endures, there'll be seed time and harvest, cold, warm, day, night, the seasons. And then the principle that we find in the New Testament, Paul just simply takes, literally, he's probably in his mind, he was very skilled. You realize he grew up, he's a Pharisee, he began by the time he was five years old already memorizing the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. It was studied in the law. They begin on that pro- This is a man who knows the Bible. So I'm sure when he's writing this here, he's easily pulling from reference points in Scripture that he understands. They don't have a New Testament. He's got the Old Testament, the Torah that he's looking at. And I'm sure when he quotes from this, without a doubt, he's pulling from his understanding that seed time and harvest is a promise, and therefore with a promise, you always find a principle. Remember that. With a promise, you always find a principle. With any promise of God, there's always a principle at work. All right? So let me give you three laws that govern sowing and reaping when it comes to your future. You want to predict your future? I cannot predict everything. I can't... I can't predict how many children you'll have. Can't predict girls or boys. Can't, those are things that, that's not what God promises us. But when we think about where we'll be, there are promises and principles. So let me give you three laws that govern sowing and reaping. The first one is plain. What you reap is what you've sown. Do you agree with that right there? Now, let me ask a question. How many people would love to change the fact that what they've sown is not what they reap? True? You live long enough to realize, geez, I wish I could pull that back. Okay, so this is what it means then that God's laws won't be mocked. You, even, even when you're like this, this sucks. Don't like this. This is not what I wanted. 
it goes back to a point of what was planted. And many times in our life, when we're living things that we don't like, it's not enough to just be mad about it right then and there. Go back to the point of what went into the ground at an earlier time in your life. Now, here's the thing, though. We don't have to look at the harvest and just go, well, this is the rest of my life. The principle is in effect. The promise is standing as long as the earth is here. That if you begin to then sow the correct thing, you can change your future. This, here's the promise of the gospel. It doesn't change your past. It alters your, your future. If your marriage is not where you want it, right? What most of us do is just get mad about that fact. And we fight over that issue. And then we separate over where we are today. The principle, the promise is simply this. Begin to then change what you're putting into the ground to get a different harvest. Get a different harvest. So health is that way. Yes or no? How many of you would love to throw a switch and be 20 pounds lighter? Tell me, tell me the truth. I do that constantly. I'm going to turn this light off. When I turn it back on, give me a miracle. That's what I'd like. Give me a miracle. Think about every diet product. It promises what? A miracle overnight. I think there's one on TV right now that says you can keep eating everything that you're eating. In fact, we encourage you to do that, and this pill will still help you lose weight. God, why does stuff like that work? Because people wish, don't they? We don't like, just, oh, God, change this right now. That's not the principle. You with me? That's not the principle. God does the miraculous, but if you live every day for a miracle, that's not the way to live your life. Live on principles. That's wisdom. Money's like that. Are you, are you guys okay? You're quiet. Shall we just not talk about what we're reaping right now? Okay, let's go, let's go to the next. All right, here's the, the, first, the first law is you reap what you sow. Number two, you always reap later than you sow. So this is the truth. What you put in the ground, you never get back that day. And that's why I said, so what you're living right now, you cannot look at some circumstance that happened 24 hours ago, 36 hours ago, a week ago. You've got to look at what, what it went into the ground that's creating the harvest that I'm getting right now. And that is true when it comes to good things in your life too. If there's something that's working really well, then you need to look at, you're not lucky. You're not just lucky. You're not just in the right place at the right time. If something is working in your life, man, you're doing something. Even if you don't know what the principle is, find the principle. You did something right. If your marriage is at peace, don't go, gosh, just lucky you married the right person. It doesn't work that way. You're doing something right. They're doing something right. Does that make sense? So look at a principle. All right, so you reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, which requires patience then for a harvest. And here's the problem for many people is that we run out of patience. We want to throw it in the ground, get it back, we dig it up, nothing's happening, God. Your promises, what a lie. Now you've sown something else into the ground. And the last one, maybe most importantly, would just simply be this. You reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow. You reap greater than you sow. Remember this, please. This is important, both good and bad. When a seed goes into the ground, take an apple seed, put it into the ground. What are you going to get? A cat? What do you get? You get an apple tree, but you don't get one apple, correct? 
From one seed comes what? Hundreds of thousands of additional seeds. This is the way sowing and reaping works in life. Now, in our society, the church's preconditioned people to always think of sowing and reaping as only monetary issues. Unfortunately, all that has been taught for so many years is just give to get, give to get, give to get, which comes from a selfish place in life. And that's not, that's not the order of God. So let's, let's look at a broader spectrum. So in, in life, man, look, here, here's just a simple principle. So Proverbs says, if you want friends, first thing that you have to do is be a friend. So it's like, sow a seed, reap something. You can't sit there and go, wish I had friends. Everybody stinks. <laughs> and people do that, yes or no? Yeah. Right? So what you sow is what you reap. You reap it later and you always reap it greater. You reap it later and you always reap it greater. All right, if that's true, if you can agree with that, if you see any value in it, then let me give you four things that I want you to consider sowing immediately. Immediately doesn't mean next week. Immediately is not in July. Immediately is now. Do these things now. Why? The quicker you get it in the ground, the quicker you get it back. The quicker it goes down, the quicker you can change your future based on a promise of God and a principle from the word. All right, the first one is simply your words. Let me, let me uh, I, I, the amount of time, it's, it's a series, a message. Uh, I've taught it multiple times in here. At some point in the future, I'll do it again. The power of words. Yeah, I, I, for so many of us, we say so much never letting it even enter into, you ever just had a conversation and you're talking and suddenly you realize what you're, you, you, you can talk for a long time without realizing what you're saying. Here's an even more powerful one. You ever realized you're thinking about stuff all the time and you can go through life doing multiple things and then suddenly it dawns on you what you're thinking about. Have you ever done that one? So words are, they, they are seeds. Jesus taught this, that the word is a seed. And then it falls in multiple areas of life. And when it hits the right combination of soil and seed, it produces a multiple return in our lives. And here's what Proverbs says. That the tongue has the power of both life and death in it. I wish it was only one. I wish it was only one. I wish. Notice my words. I wish that all the negative stuff didn't count for anything and only the positive stuff was what stuck. But it doesn't work that way. If it works, that words are powerfully positive, then in principle, it has to work that they can be equal, equally negative. Yes. Has to work that way in principle. So, so look, from the fruit of their mouth, this is what you say. It's what you talk about. It's what you confess. It's what you believe to be true. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit quickly. I, don't, I just, I mean, it's, it's worthy of a series in and of itself. Here's, here's a principle in life that becomes what you did not get by a pedigree. God will give you through Principles. So if you did not grow up with something in your life, let's say that it did not exist in the preceding generations, you did not have your father's blessing over your life. You did not have a mother's blessing in your life. 
what tends to happen is that people are repetitive. What, what you grew up with is what you enter into your marriage with and what you repeat upon your children, even if you hate it. It's a truism. Yes, no, agree, disagree. How do you break that? It's not enough to just go like, I wish it was different. So I, I, my story, my mother was married multiple times. I don't remember a father ever laying his hand on me and saying to me, I love you. I choose you. You are my son whom I love and with you I'm very pleased. That's what Jesus had. If that's what the example that Christ had from his father, that's the example that every father should give to their child. I never had that. You know, when you grow up without the blessing, you don't walk around saying, I don't have the blessing. You walk around with a lot of other things that say, I wish I had the blessing. Attitudes, a hardness about life. And then when you have kids, here's, here's, here's when you begin to reap. When someone wants you to give something that's beyond your ability to give, when you recognize a need in someone's life, children come along and they need that. How do you give what you do not have? What you didn't get by pedigree, you can get by principle. What you didn't get on this earth, God will give to you in relationship with him. Here's what changed the life of my, look at me, please. Here's what changed the life of my children. What I didn't get, I gave to them this blessing, the thing that can come from your mouth, God can put into your heart and really always go this way to go this way. This is sowing and reaping. I look at the life of my children right now. Chris and I are in a, what a reaping place. Now, they're still human. They still do things. They, they still are very, they're human. Some are like, tell me the details of their humanity. Just, they're like you. <laughs> God, how estranged. I met my real father when I was 30. And he died before I turned 40. And how much I longed to try to connect with him. And could never do it. Wanted that so desperately. Could never get that thing to happen. And as I got to know him, I realized he didn't have it. He could not give what he did not have. And that thing could be perpetuated on a generation after generation after generation. And that's what, it cannot change your past. Nothing can erase your past. But it can change your future. So then it can stop, a curse can stop with you and a blessing can begin with you if you understand a principle and a promise. And sometimes we just get angry like, well, I didn't have it, so, you know. That, that's, that. Give away what you don't have because what you sow is what you reap. I don't know if you just heard what I said, but I don't even have time to, to go there. So let me give you the second thing. Uh, four things to consider sowing immediately. The first one is just simply your words. I... I really wish I could spend more time on this. The power of blessing, the power of, of words can change a person's life. Let me give you the next one, your attitude. 
Truly, this is the truth. I know it sounds so cliche, but when is a cliche not a cliche? When it is very much the way that you can live your life. You cannot pick what happens to you, but you can always pick how you respond to what happens to you. Do you agree with that? Okay, uh, I got a life scripture here. I'm gonna, this, uh, not a live scripture, a life scripture, L-I-F-E. Galatians 6, 9. I've got a friend that's a pastor of a great church in South Carolina. His name's Greg Surratt. Uh, Greg is a mentor to me. Greg, is, um, Greg has been such a help to me. Sometimes, just like in any role in life, any, any role we play, uh, at, at times we can be discouraged. At times we can get down. At times things are not working the way that we want them to work. And as a pastor, that can be true. Uh, 2013, the last half of 13 and much of 2014 was a difficult time. If you've been here any length of time, just for JFC, it came through some difficult things and some, it was just a tough time for me personally. Began to doubt whether or not I was even supposed to even be here. The devil's wonderful in that the moment you listen to him, he'll condemn you for what you listen to. Yes or no? Do you understand what I just said? He just is an enemy without, he's the perfect enemy. Without mercy in any way, shape or form. And I found myself in a place of just like, you know, and once you get there, it becomes very hard to distinguish what's me, what's God, what's the enemy. And that's when it pays to have people who are in your, this is where community pays off big time. People that you can turn to and people that you trust. And I had many around me here, but I needed to go away from here. I needed somebody that was unbiased and somebody that knew me. Somebody that wasn't impressed with me would tell me the truth. And I sat with him, I poured my heart out to him, I said, great, here's where I'm at in life, here's where our church is at, here's everything that's going on, what do you think? Here, here, here's all that he said, to me. of all the things we talked about, here's the thing that stuck in my head and it became a life scripture to me. He said, Galatians chapter six, and he began just to quote to me this, he said, look, if you're gonna stay anywhere any length of time, he said, just like in marriage, here's the truth. You're gonna have a season of summer, you're gonna have a season of fall, you're gonna have spring, and you're gonna have winter. That's the way that life is, yes or no? Yeah. I said, yeah, you're right about that. He said, sometimes your marriage, if you've been married long enough, 31 years, Chris and I just passed it, 31 years, it's not always summer. Now with her it always is, but with me, there's winter John and summer John. I said that for your benefit. She tells me when I'm in a bad mood, oh, it must be winter around our house. Uh, He just said, if you're going to be anywhere for a long period of time, if you're going to get a harvest, you have to stay someplace for a long period of time. If you're going to get a harvest in your marriage, you've got to do it for a while. Do you agree with that? If you're going to do any, if you're going to get a harvest, you've got to stick with something for a while. That's the way that it works. So he said in life, if you're going to get a harvest, John, you've got to be willing at times to go through winters. You've got to be willing to go through falls. You've got to go through springs, and it will be summertime again. Life is cyclical that way. Yeah. Do you, yeah. It is, right? Yeah. I mean, I wish it was always summer. I wish. Hear my words? I wish. But that's not how it works. So he reminded me of this really awesome scripture, and I came back, and I don't know if they can, I don't know if they can get close enough to, can you see it? Can you read it? Yeah, Yeah, come closer. Because for an old guy like me, I cannot read it. There we, that's better. Where are How is that? Is that? Yeah, there we go. Galatians 6, 9 just says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do you see it? Okay, let me just change the top part of this, because this is what happens to me. So this, my staff gave this to me, and I didn't hang it on the wall. It actually sits in my office at home, 
right in front of where I sit at my desk so that I, I see it. All. Stuff hangs on your wall and you can pass by it for years and not look at it. But if you put it on the floor where it's propped, you'll always, why is that thing out of place? Oh yeah. So let me tell you how the words get twisted for me. Let us not become good in doing weary. I had become very good at doing weary in many areas in my life. So here's the promise. When we become good at doing weary, we will reap a harvest if we don't quit being weary all the time. Guess what you reap? Tired. Maybe I'm done. I don't have any more gas in the tank. I'm an old man now. I'm not old. Somebody could have said amen. You, sir, you could have said amen to that. It was your chance to jump. Oh, no, don't, not that. <laughs> you know, really, let me just say this very quickly for you with, with little time left, but let me just say this. You know, football players hit their potency really in their 20s. Maybe a basketball player can extend it into his 30s, but preachers don't actually become their best till they turn 50. I just want you to know that. <laughs> So I plan on the next 15 years being the best years I've ever given in service to a church. Now, now you're all. But your attitude is always one thing that you can change. You get to pick your attitude. And when you decide, I will not grow weary and I will not give up and I will be joyful and I will trust God. Psalms 119, 114 says, in your word, I get my hope. You do get a choice about where, if all you do is watch NBC News and what's going on in this world, you're eating from a trough that will discourage you. You have got to get an alternate source to what's happening in the world today. Do you agree with that? If all you feed on is from one source, you'll reap a harvest. And it'll be a harvest of fear, a harvest of discouragement. Agree? God, man, your attitude so much. Let me give you this one quickly. Four things to consider sowing immediately, your spiritual life. If I was going to pick any one of the four to tell you to pay attention to, that it will benefit the other one, your spiritual life is the one. As Paul just writes quickly, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Uh, this time of year, so many people make New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm gonna blah, 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 blah. Here, Paul says this, again in the book of Galatians. Bodily exercise does have profit, but spiritual exercise has gained not only for this life, but for the one that's going to come. And so many times we aim only our lives about this world. And forget that this is a blip in the screen. You're going to be just as alive 10,000 years from now as you are right this second. We never think about eternity in the schemes of what am I doing today for then? What will it look like then? Let me give you the last one, your money. This is one that for so many people, it, it has such, money is one of those things that just has such an effect on so many people's lives and again, when it comes to sowing and reaping, Paul takes the very principle of money. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, he's talking about money. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. 
Now he who supplies seed to the what? To the sower. Remember, we're talking about sowing and reaping. God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here's a principle. Look at me real quick with a promise. If you eat all of your seed, you have none to put in the ground. If you put nothing in the ground, there's nothing coming towards you in the future. Is that a principle and a promise? It's one of those ones you can wish away, but it doesn't change reality of a situation. And why is it that people go, yeah, preachers, all they talk about is money. How come we never watch a Chevy commercial and go, GM, all they talk about is cars? I rarely ever bring it up, but it's a powerful effect in people's lives. Money blesses or curses people, and there's very little neutrality with it in a person's life. Do you agree with that statement? There's very little neutrality with it. It's either a blessing or a curse to people, and for so many, they wish it was different. They wish it was different. I wish I didn't have debt. I wish I could give. Wishing is not hoping. Hoping is not happiness. When we look around the world in particular, you look at France this week, I didn't tell you be happy about it. I said you can have hope in spite of terror. And there's a difference between hope and happiness. Do you agree with that? Hope is an abiding issue in a person's heart in their life of God's faithfulness, of God's principles and his promises. Sowing and reaping, as long as this earth exists, the promise. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Never forget that. You want to predict your future? Find hope in the word of God. Do what it says, folks. And it becomes all that much more important in the days we live in right now. Really important. So, Father, we love you. And we just gather before you right now, Lord, with hope in our hearts. And again, I pray, Lord, I know there are people in this room who come in here and they don't have a lot of hope in their heart. Father, a lot of their belief and a lot of what they are taking in, it comes from just the product of this world. And maybe tonight... Today, this weekend, people hear a message and the opportunity to choose hope. Hope is not an emotion, although it can cover our emotions. Hope is not a different reality. Hope is the bedrock of what a believer is able to trust in God. That what he promises is true. That regardless of circumstances, God will be faithful. That the outcome is sure. That God's plan for my life is to bring a hope and to bring a future. Lord, I would pray for people in this room that struggle with that issue right now. Let this be a series that produces hope inside of their lives. Lord, for those who find themselves confronted with, I don't like the harvest that I'm getting right now. Instead of anger... And instead of judgment, and instead of just wishing away, 
which is really a false hope. God, give them a real hope today, a tangible hope. Give them something to begin doing. Even if they have to force themselves to say a word of blessing over something, to speak a seed of life. God, give them encouragement to do that. Father, you want us to overflow with hope. That's what the Bible says. You want us to overflow with hope. You're the God of all hope. Bring hope to our lives, Father. Bring hope to our lives as never before. I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.